So uh, today we're going to be talking about, um, I would say, kind of old threat in terms of insider threats, uh, things people have struggled with for a long time, but layered on top of that is a new factor, which is chat GPT. Um, everyone's using it in some form or fashion, whether you're, you're an individual, maybe trying to help help you do travel plans, whether you are someone looking for it to help you write code, whether you're a communications person or having it work with you for copy. So it's something that everyone is testing out and playing around with. And I think every organization out there today is trying to figure out how to incorporate AI into their business to experience the benefits of it. But lurking underneath there, um, that good friend that we're adopting, our new chat GPT friend is, is a potential foe. And um, even early on, we're seeing folks like JP Morgan and Verizon just completely blocking access to chat GPT until they figure out what to do. Um, you see companies, it was reported a little while ago, Samsung had three different situations where um, sensitive data was shared on chat GPT, not maliciously or deliberately. And so we've got something new breaking here. And I think we wanted to talk today about, you know, what do we do about this? And, and you know, we, we have a mentality around what insider threats are, but we're now bringing a friend into the house. Um, and what we share with that friend may wind up, you know, inadvertently sharing corporate information with the world. Right. So, um, so Shaheen, you know, how do you see the lay of the land? So there is, uh, it really hasn't changed. There's this, there's this new, uh, approach to security that over the last year, uh, we talked about it in a previous tech talk, has been starting to emerge. And this approach is, uh, the acronym for it is SSPM, and it stands for SaaS Security Posture Management. And when, when you hear that, you immediately automatically jump to Office 365, Salesforce, uh, but it's more than that. It's an example of a SaaS tool is ChatGPT. An example of a SaaS tool is GitHub. An example of a SaaS tool is all of the myriads of tools that you're not aware that your users are using on a day in day out basis in the environment. And Grammarly as an example is a perfect thing. I got to write this proposal for a customer. I want to make it sound better. I'm going to load the whole proposal into Grammarly and tell it what to do. That's effectively what chat GPT is being used for today. And it's good because very in a chat format, you can have a dialogue with chat GPT. And it's not, this is not to single out chat GPT. Claude just made it on the scene, great AI model. It's another LLM that mm -hmm. is really doing some cool things. Um, Google's working with their own large language model and have, has created some great uh, 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 progression with BARD and in some ways has started to exceed ChatGPT's functionality and capability. At the end of the day, all of these productivity tools are helping our end users do things that maybe they don't have the subject matter expertise around and help them to sound better, talk better, do things better, and fine tune it with simple language. Like, let's edit this for this kind of audience. Let's tweak it to be more fun. Let's make it more serious. Let's make it business-like. And it's very easy to quickly have a dialogue with a chatbot to do that rather than going through a bunch of configurations and, and using the native tools like Microsoft has been doing a lot of work on Word to do some of these things. But you know, there's all these third-party and uh, ISVs out there that are integrating solutions for it. So, so what's the issue? The example you gave is a perfect one. People are putting sensitive data into these tools, into these SaaS tools, and that sensitive data is now 
in these uh, large language models being embedded in the large language model. So what happens if that large language model gets compromised? Your sensitive data is there. Mm -hmm. So it's like a password leak, but now it's even more. It probably has PII in it. It probably has HIPAA data in it. It's like there's a big concern associated with that. But those are the common use cases. Those are, you know, everybody's like, yeah, we kind of thought people might do this as soon as we figured out how cool it is and what it can do. And we're going to block it as an example and not let them get to it. The bigger threat is uh, we, we are starting to see a rise and emergence of people that are going and saying, I'm trying to figure out X, Y, or Z, and they get a um, link back in the response. And they go to that link and ChatGPT is not supposed to give links, but this is where the large language model poisoning comes into play. They get a link, they click on it, they go to the link, and all of a sudden they get hit with ransomware and their machine is encrypted. And that might be just one user if they're at home, but if they download something inside your office and you don't have the proper controls, mm -hmm. that now spreads to your entire ecosystem. So the, um, the importance of paying attention to proper distributed security is even more relevant now because we have more uh, uh, sources of attack vectors of attack that the bad actors can take to get into and end user systems. At the end of the day, our, our weakest point of security is that end user because we're relying on them to do their day job and also wear a security hat and maintain our security posture. Um, so not having the right tools to help them to reduce the noise, to block the bad things, mm -hmm. um, makes it difficult for them to succeed. Well, and it sounds like organizations are trying to respond at several levels, right? Um, Gartner did a, a report and said that over half of the HR professionals out there are now trying to figure out how to embed either chat GPT or AI in their employee training manuals, right? So here's what you do, here's what you don't do. Um, some companies are saying, well, you've got an upload, um, you, know, you can only upload this much, but it just sounds like it's so new. Um, and to your point, in some cases, it, it's, it's an old, I don't say old, but it is, it's a philosophy that security people have had for a while. We're just adding something new to it. And so I think there's a struggle for how to, um, how to incorporate this new in and, um, and in any situation, right? We want to add security into our employee handbook. Here's what we expect. Here's what we don't, but you're not banking on that to stop everything, right? Because something's going to happen. Someone's going to make a mistake. Someone will do something malicious. Um, from a security tools perspective, you know, um, what is it? You know, the challenge seems to be we're, we're trying to protect data from either tools we can't see or platforms we can't see, um, from threats we don't really know what they are, um, with things we can't always control. So there's just a lot of ambiguity there. Right. So how does someone put guardrails around something that's so ambiguous? The, uh, the short answer is the what's missing in the world today is, um, let, let's call it live inline uh, data leak prevention. So that when you're pasting something to a website, it is looking for sensitive data and blocking it. Um, I guarantee you in the next 18 to 24 months, we're going to have three or four companies pop up that do exactly what I'm saying right now, but they're not here yet. Um, so the DLP is the answer to prevent um, 
PII or personally identifiable information um, uh, from leaking in any environment. And so what we're dealing with now is we're not sending something. We're not, um, we're not going through email gateways. We're not going through um, uh, DLP solutions that look at files. We're literally copying and pasting into a web interface. And so there are a lot of browser-based security tools that are out there, but they have limited efficacy because they, they're designed to work with enterprise class browsers, which end up being Chrome or Chromium-based solutions. Um, uh, and then, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your users are using Safari or they're using uh, Opera or something else that isn't tied into that enterprise, they can bypass the enterprise security for the browser protection. Um, as part of our services, we're evaluating right now, how do we create browser security to help from this perspective? But it's very difficult unless you do browser extensions for every possible browser and pre-install all those browsers. It's very difficult to say that somebody's not gonna download in a different browser. And every week the um, wannabe hidden from the rest of the world crew out there creates a new browser because the old one is no longer effective. So. It's uh, it's it's a this is definitely a Sisyphus challenge, Sisyphean challenge, which which is effectively we're we're always going to be pushing this rock uphill, and mm -hmm. the next morning it'll be back down at the bottom of the hill again. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the only way to address this is really to do security awareness training for your users and educate them that. Uh, we've, you know, we've done a lot of work with uh, our end users and our community to talk about, here's what we're not allowed to share. Here's the training we do that says, if you see social security numbers, customer names, employee names, um, uh, account numbers, anything that is identifiable IP addresses, don't, don't send that stuff in email, mm -hmm. encrypt it, do something different. That same logic has to apply. Don't copy and paste it into Grammarly. Don't copy and paste it into mm -hmm. uh, a chatbot. Uh, if if you're not supposed to share it publicly, don't assume just because you think this is your chat that it's not being shared publicly. So those are, uh, and including, for example, putting it in your personal email, which might be the free edition of Hotmail or Gmail or whatever, mm -hmm. which there are no restrictions to data protection in those free environments. They're looking for telemetry. They are using your data. The reason it's free is they're getting information about you and who you are and what you do. So that data is not free and protected. I mean, it is not protected. It is, it is free. It's, free. <laughs> it's uh, one, so you, one form of free. <laughs> exactly. So you need to, you know, Best practices is the short answer today. There's no, there's no solid um, browser protection helps. Um, you can put in tools. Uh, for example, we have part of our XDR solution puts in, it has whitelist blacklisting where we can blacklist all the other browsers and just make it so that they can only use one browser. Mm -hmm. And then you can put browser extensions in that help to secure it. So there's, there's a lot of factors that come into play here. And our advanced phishing protection includes that browser uh, uh, capability. But again, if you don't lock down the browsers, so it's it's uh, it's kind of like I said, it's a difficult game to play whack-a-mole with. Sure. Well, and it's it's interesting, right? We're in the tech space, and so one of the things that we hear so often that folks are using it for is is coding. 
right? So either helping work out an issue or helping make something better or faster or whatever, because truly it is an accelerator for people. Yep. Um, yet that code is likely, likely has some element of, of confidentiality to it. Yep. And so there's this tension where, you know, I'm sure you've got a lot of developers, even your team, right? That are always being pushed to, you know, let's get this out faster. Let's do better. Let's, let's correct it in the right way, you know, right way first time. And so how do you see people resolving that tension of really kind of using this tool as friend, you know, as, as that extra thing on your team that helps you do better. Yet you've got this tension of, well, I need to get it done and I've got this tool, but can I really do this? I mean, how, how do you balance that? So the, the short answer is go back to the business policies that I talked about. So if it has personally identifiable information, do not put it in any of these tools. That doesn't mean that the tool is a bad tool. It means be, I hate to use the word common sense because I don't believe in that concept. Um, but, uh, that does not mean that you can't use it for creative work, for example, or like when uh, uh, when you're writing a project and you need a script or something, you can get answer questions very quickly. And I've never once seen code that comes out of chat GPT that is 100% accurate, but it's close. And if you've got a little bit of development skill set, you can take that and get it working and properly work it, have it, have it do what you need it to do. But if you're not sure what, you know, some function calls or method calls or things like that in it or a library that they load, you've never heard of it before, don't use it. Mm -hmm. um, use use human sense. I don't know what we want to call it. I don't mm -hmm. I, I hate the common yeah. sense term. But similarly, if you're going to write a blog, for example, there is no reason you can't put some concepts in and say, mm -hmm. give me some ideas for X, Y, or Z. The creative side of it is pretty cool. What you have to be careful of, we talked about this in our first ChatGPT, is that ChatGPT is uh, based on data up to 2021. So it was trained on data that stopped in 2021. You can't expect it to know anything past that. The, the model is improving and they keep giving it more data, but it's you can't expect it to know anything that happened in 24. So current events, things like that, you can't rely on that. What's the best EDR tool today? Can't rely on that. Um, because it's four-year-old data. And the the what you want to pay attention to, though, is concepts are okay. However, those concepts are being pulled from all of the internet-readable data that they fed ChatGPT with. And there's bias in all that data. So whoever posted a blog post about XYZ, you have no idea if that blog post was accurate or not. It's, it's kind of like the Wikipedia problem where anybody can go in and right. create a wiki and that wiki can look like it's accurate, look like it's authoritative, but unless you validate the sources and check it, there's no way to know. So always take it with a grain of salt, take the feedback you're getting, the results you're getting, use your own mm -hmm. knowledge base and check it out. Always be checking it out. Mm -hmm. Is Does this smell right? Does it look right? Do other sources align with this? then then use that data but you can't just blindly ask it to write you a blog post and post it and you could be putting something out there which is completely biased and there's wrong results right right so we're always going to be having something new i mean we, when we talk about this right whether 
um, we're talking about security tools and we're talking kind of about the shelf life and efficacy, right? Because you don't know what's around the corner. All of us kind of were aware of AI, but I think this, this surgeon, this, this craziness of chat GPT and just how wildly it has come on. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone was prepared for that, right? Particularly security teams. Ultimately, it's, if you think about it, it's search 3.0. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Google and Yahoo really created a search model to change the way we browse the internet. And a lot of players have tried to create better, stronger, faster search engines, and they haven't really come up with a model that works. Mm -hmm. And ChatGPT has broken that seal. And they and now there's a lot of, including Bard, who is again putting Google in the top ranks again, is really solving this problem of search just got old and long in the tooth, mm -hmm. and and you had to learn how to ask questions in order to get responses, right. and then you had to separate what's ads versus what's real, um, and you know the ultimately where we're at today is having an interaction with a chatbot like Bard or Claude or ChatGPT helps me to find things so much faster. And that's what I use as a resource for one of the things that I'm evaluating. Mm -hmm. I don't take it as the source of truth. I take it as one source and, and look at other things. I still go traditional search models. I still read documents. I still look at white papers. So you have to always fact check. It's, okay. it's uh, we, uh, we had a, colleague in the past who used to always say, when in doubt, check it out. Mm -hmm. And that is more true now than ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up today, um, you know, we've talked about um, training um, and we've talked about not really even a lot of tools, but really kind of training and awareness. Um, you know, what are the top three things someone ought to take away as they think about chat GPT, about how it's being used and incorporated in their business and really what to take forward, um, clearly training your, your user community and really what do I share, what do I not, where do I stop, where do I start? Um, anything else that would just be great takeaways for, for folks in so, their security? So the, the most obvious answer is train your users. Don't wait for them to figure this stuff out on their own. Um, and, but what do you train them on? The first step is you need to document your privacy policies and your sharing of data policies. If you don't already have that, um, if you're regulated, then you have a better idea of what you're allowed to and not allowed to share. But generally speaking, if you take a look at you know what the definition of PII is for uh, GDR, uh, GDR um, that's a great basis to say anything that matches PII for that category is probably a safe thing to say, don't share this. Mm -hmm. And so just to make it simple, just look at the definition of PII for GDPR, the policy around that, train your users, educate them on it is the second component. The last thing is if you ever get a link from any of these chatbots, don't click on it. They're not supposed to give you links. Mm -hmm. If they tell you to go find, it's this, this company does it, go look up that company separately. Mm -hmm. Just like an email, if you get a link in email, don't click on it. Right, right. <laughs> it's, you know, the very simple things. Like, for example, I'm a little paranoid. I'm kind of paid to be paranoid. And my wife gets mad at me all the time. Uh, but when I get an email, even from my bank that says um, transaction just happened, I go, to, I go to the browser, open the browser and type the bank URL and go look at the transaction from the bank URL. 
I do not click the link in the mm -hmm. email, even if it looks completely legit. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's sort of true. You should never do this, but a lot of times I'll do it to see if it is or isn't a real thing so that we can build our education from a security perspective right. and help protect customers. Right. But but as a user, always go to the browser. Don't click on links in email. Don't click on links on chat GPT or I'm not trying to single out chat GPT. Any large language model is susceptible to model poisoning. They have. And we just saw, it's not the hack, it's model poisoning is the real key because they can, uh, as what they, they don't have to have access to it to model poison. They can create websites that look like they're answering common questions. And as it reads that website in, and that's that's one of the threats that we've seen rising right now is uh, I'm sure many of you have seen that you go to a website, you click on a link, you go to a website and a pop-up pops up and says, your system is encrypted, call this mm -hmm. number, or you know, Microsoft will help you call Microsoft. Um, uh, you know, I've had many friends who told me my mom called and then they were on their machine for a half hour. Um, we had a uh, recent um, uh, conversation with someone that had uh, got the same thing and out of chat GPT in this case, and they it routed them to one of those websites. They got the pop-up, they clicked the link to get help. And of course, right then uh, the, uh, the information was exposed. So do not click on links. That's that's yeah. I can't I can't repeat number three more importantly yeah. than any of the other two. Educate your people, and one of the education pieces is do not click on links in email. Do not click on links in chatbots, yeah. Yeah. or even you know any SaaS application that tells you that's taking data and giving you a response. Any place that's using the internet as a source of data, it's so easy to poison the models out there. Interesting. So this and is the I, first time I've heard model poisoning. So I, I learned something new every time we meet, but interesting um, to, to understand what's happening and, and to be vigilant about it. Yeah, and and just just so we're clear, it, it isn't even necessarily intentional model poisoning. It's not like somebody's targeting chat GPT to model poison. They built a website and this is, remember the data is from 2021. They built a website that said, let's say for example, um, give me give me an answer on this tax law. One of the search items that would come up on Google on ChatGPT takes you to a website, and that website happens to be a fake site that purports to answer this question. And as soon as you get up, go there, you get the pop up that says you've been hacked. Mm -hmm. You're you haven't been hacked at that point. You close your browser and you don't click anything. You're fine. But the typical end user is going to say, "Oh my God, I got to click." Call Microsoft because it looks like it's a native OS dialogue and not on the web browser. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, it's one of the oldest. I was going to say that attacks. yeah that 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 is not new. No, that they're finding a new way to and they're embed it's, it. It's not even that they're finding it. Chat GPC just scoured, Started. just ingested that website, and that was an answer to mm. the question that somebody asked. Wow. So it's uh, do not click links. There you go. Did I say that? There you go. I heard it. I heard it loud <laughs> and clear. Watch, watch out for those links. Um, well, thank you, Shaheen. And, and you know, this is going to be one of our common themes as we go forward. Um, we're hearing a lot of questions from prospects and customers. And Shaheen is doing, and his team are doing all sorts of research in terms of, um, you know, what is it that we need to know? How is it that we might need to adapt um, within our service? So. 
we're going to be checking in every once in a while and just having, you know, a, a recurring chat GPT conversation about what it is we're hearing, what it is we're learning, and what it is that folks need to know. So thank you, Shaheen, and thank you for joining 